We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, it's rapid fire time. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's. Uh, this is. I think this is my favorite part of the show. I never know what's coming, so I'm. I'm ready for it. The best Vince I can did be. that last night too, and I think it's because like you guys mostly did rapid fire with me on my old show before we did this, so you're all used to doing rapid fire. Oh, we're primed and ready. That's right. That's right. Okay. Do you buy or sell that Notre Dame should be considered a legit national title contender going into this season? This is tough. I'm on the fence. National contender, you know, national championship contender with a new starting quarterback, a big kind of changeover within the coaching staff, a first time head coach, some question marks in the secondary. I don't think that I would put them as a national title contender. Will they contend? you know, probably towards the end of the season and, and you know, the expectations be 10 and two, potentially 11 and one. Yes, but I don't think they're going to go undefeated. And I think in order for them to be national championship contenders, they got to go undefeated or 11 and one. And I just don't quite see them there yet. I know that might, you know, discourage or not be what a lot of fans want to hear, but I think a solid 10 and two season this year, anything better than, you know, eight and four, nine and three, I think is a really good year for them. I think they have, you know, getting getting Buckner the experience that he needs. You know, how much can he develop from game one to the end of the season? That's that's something big that will have to be seen. Um, but I just don't think I'm ready to put them national title contenders with the kind of questions that they have right now. How about this? They are a national title contender at least for another 32 days. <laughs> Ask me September 4th. <laughs> because, yeah, like let's see. I mean, that's. That's kind of what this is shaping up to be. When you're starting the season at Ohio State with all these factors that we've talked about, a first-time starting quarterback and a first-time head coach and all this stuff going Ohio back State's to his alma mater. Yeah. Power. Like they're yeah. going to put on they have one of the best offenses in the country. That's right. I think that they can at least be in the conversation through that game. You know, it's it's a matter of how do they come out of that game? Or you know, do you know if they win that game, they are automatically one of probably you know five or six who you're going to put boom squarely in that conversation. If they lose a close game, then they can still be in that conversation because it's a road game, because it's a first time head coach, because it's a first time you know quarterback, all these different 
things. If you you know, so I'm I'm not sitting here saying, well, take solace, you know, if they lose a close game and that kind of stuff. But if you look at the big picture, if they at least play a close game on the road in that environment, you know, night game and the whole thing, then I think, yeah, they, they have every right to think that there's still a, a a title contender. Now, obviously, 100%. you know, blowout loss is going to be another question, but, <laughs> and I'm not saying that's going to happen, but you know, that's, that's just what it is. It's going to be really hard. It would be really hard for them to overcome, you know, uh, a lopsided loss, you know, in the season opener against Ohio state for them to have any case to say they're a national title contender, unless they come out of that game and just steamroll everybody else, including, you know, Clemson and USC then at the end of the season. But I think for right now, you know, like, Look at last year as an example with all the talk about, you know, transition year. And, you know, I, I think I was squarely on, you know, I, I still thought that they would be 10 and two last year. They ended up only losing the one game and you can, you know, make a great argument that not even, a you know, they should have won <laughs> that game if, you know, if they do things a little bit differently and had they made that change, with how they ran the offense with the tempo for Jack Cohen, if they were doing that in that game, they probably win that game, you know? So I guess my point is there were, I think even lower expectations going into last year. The schedule was not as tough last year as it looks like it's going to be this year. But I, I, I you know, again, September 4th is going to tell us for sure based on what I was just talking about with, you know, with a win or a close game at Ohio state, they're still going to be in that conversation. So I think at least going into Ohio state, they should be considered on that short list because like to me, the odds were more against them last year. And with all the problems with the offensive line and inability to run the ball and all that stuff, they were still, knocking on the door just outside that top five by the end of the year. So I, I'll, you know, again, the schedule's a little tougher this year, but I'll say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say they should be a title contender going into this season. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Fill in the blank on this next one. And this is the question that came from uh, from the YouTube chat yesterday that we didn't get to. I, I kind of tweaked it a little bit. Fill in the blank. The first players, plural, coming off that you want coming off the bus when the Irish visit Ohio State should be blank. You know, the way I'm looking at this is players come off the bus. Usually you have an offensive bus and you have a defensive bus. Uh, coming off the offensive bus, I think the charge should be led by Michael Mayer and presumably Buckner. You know, I'm about 90% sure he's going to be the starter. Uh, defensively, I think you need to go with Isaiah Foskey and potentially another, you know, probably may maybe like another linebacker, maybe Bertrand coming out. Just guys who are the Notre Dame standard. They've been at Notre Dame for a while. They're tough guys. They have tough mentality. You know, they bring that edginess to them. Um, I think those are the guys that I would be going with. And obviously, you know, Buckner, yeah, he's a first time starter, but you got to show that you're, you're behind your guy. You know, the quarterback is that one position where you, you, whoever's named starter, they're automatically kind of one of those team leaders, you know, uh, not, not, not only offensively, but defensively, it's just the guy who's leading you into battle, the most important position on the field. So for me, it's got to be Buckner and Mayer offensively and defensively. I would go Foskey and Bertrand. See, I was looking at, you know, like a little more gun show, uh, you know, I think, it, you know, and I don't know if that was necessarily, you know, the, the, you know, specific intent, but and like, like, did you see the picture of the tight ends the other day, you know, and Michael Mayer and the guns that he's gone on him, you know, like you need him in, you know, in, in, in like his Hulk Hogan, you know, t-shirt with no sleeves <laughs> and, and just jacked coming off the, the bus i'm sure they'll have a suit on and stuff so it's not going to matter as much but yeah i mean i definitely think michael mayer needs to be there foskey needs to be there jd bertrand he's got some guns of his own you know he's pretty piped up so and and i think you know if you're gonna if, if you're going by you know who's rocked up audric estime is a guy that you're not going to be able to deny either you know he doesn't have the veteran you know the leadership and all that stuff that you're talking about but like I'd put those four guys up against, uh, you know, probably any quartet in in uh, in the country in terms of who's going to run the gun show with those guys. <laughs> who's going to provide the most intimidation? That's right. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. Okay. Next question: Between Lincoln Riley at USC, Mario Cristobal at Miami, and Brian Kelly at LSU. Which of those high-profile coaches is under the most pressure to win in his first year at his new school? You know, this one was tough for me. I think you can throw out Mario Cristobal. You know, Miami is really set 
on, you know, going from Oregon to Miami, I don't know what kind of move you would consider that. You know, is that a lateral? Is that an upward? Is that a downward? I don't know what you would consider that move. And I don't think Mario Cristobal has a lot of pressure because Miami has stunk, you know, for a while now. And they're just looking for someone to kind of get their head above the water at least. Right. Um, But for me, it comes down to Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly, uh, most importantly. And I'll tell you why, because Lincoln Riley left a situation at Oklahoma where he was kind of the catalyst behind the reason, I think, for why they were shifting to the SEC. You know, I think that was a big thing that he probably got into some people's ears about. And I, just quite frankly, Lincoln Riley was set at Oklahoma. You know, he had the recruiting pipeline he had. He had the national recognition. He was getting into playoffs. He was getting into the big games. And then to go to USC, who's been struggling for the last few years, who has more of that kind of national uh, past reputation when it comes to college football, I think that's a hard situation to be in because he willingly gave up a successful you know, role and position. And I admire him to take on, you know, maybe a bigger challenge essentially. But you also have to look at Brian Kelly because Brian Kelly left Notre Dame and said that he wanted more and he's getting being thrown into the heart of the SEC. You got Went Alabama. there to win a national championship. Right. You got words. Alabama. You got Texas A&M. You got, you know, Auburn. You got all these schools that are just big powerhouses. And to say you want that, you got to be able to win and back it up. And I think that's, you know, any sport at LSU, like when Paul Maneri left uh, Notre Dame to go to LSU for baseball, he was expected to win right away. And if you don't win, they're going to be asking after even a year, you know, is this the right move? Do we need to move on already? So for me, I think Brian Kelly's got the most pressure to win. He asked to be put into the heart of the SEC. You know what those fans and boosters are like down there. They expect you to win almost right away especially with LSU winning a national championship, you know, in the past two to three years, I think that all the pressure is on Brian Kelly. And in this first season, see, I'm, I'm in DT roll hunter or troll hunter. I don't know exactly, you know, what that, you know, how, how we say that, uh, you know, he, he agrees with you. You know, I put some of his comments up a second ago. He says he personally thinks he's only going to win six games. Then he talked about USC having a baby soft schedule. And so all the things that you're talking about, I would rank them like this. I put Lincoln Riley at the top because of a lot of the things that you're talking about, what he left and, you know, going to USC, they're already showing up, you know, pretty high, you know, in a lot of the, you know, the way too early polls. We haven't seen the official polls yet, but he also, you know, went out and raided Pittsburgh and brought in Jordan Addison and he's brought in all these transfers and the fact that they do have a soft schedule. Their schedule is going to come down to two games this year. You know, and Notre Dame is is going to be one of them at the end of the season. But I so I would put it Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, and then Cristobal because I think that with everything that Lincoln Riley has done, bringing in all these guys, you know, bringing in his own quarterback, getting Addison, doing all this stuff, leaving what he left behind, and the fact that it's the USC fan base, I think I put that over. Brian Kelly at LSU because Brian Kelly, you know, he's brought in some transfers, but he's got a bigger rebuild in terms of, you know, the roster than even Lincoln Riley has because of the level of competition that the two have to play. You know, like I think that there would be more pressure on Brian Kelly if he had as soft a schedule as what USC is going to have, you know, there would be more pressure to win. And because Lincoln Riley 
does have that softer schedule and all that he has done, I think I think that there's greater expectation on him right away out there at USC and be, and, you know and again because because I think I think Brian Kelly gets a little bit of a grace period from LSU in year one, but year two I think is when it's really going to be on for him because they all they all think that he's this great recruiter and he can do all these things in recruiting. So I think there's more on Riley in year one. You know, I put him ahead of Brian Kelly. By year two, it's really going to be on for, for Kelly down there in Baton Rouge, though. Okay, chicken or the egg football question for you, Jess. Does the quarterback make the receiver, or does the receiver make the quarterback? Well, you know, this one is – this is tough. This is always – this is a classic chicken or egg debate. You know, you <laughs> could sit here and think about it for a while. But – Unless your name is Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or, you know, maybe like the top five quarterbacks or, you know, I guess I shouldn't be inclusive uh, to the to the NFL. I think no matter what level you're at, if you're a top five, you know, maybe as you go down to college, there's more teams. So top 10 quarterback. I think it's more so the wide receiver, because unless unless you're a guy like Tom Brady who can, you know, Peyton Manning, who can get up to the line of scrimmage, read what the defense is doing, audible to a favorable matchup where you might not have as great of a wide receiver, but you know you need to get him at a certain position, certain area on the field. And it doesn't really matter who the guy is because if you're open, you're open. You're going to, you know, the ball is going to be there. If you're going to catch it, you're going to catch it. But when you're not one of those top level quarterbacks and you got to have wide receivers who are maybe fighting for 50 50 balls or using their pure athleticism or ability to kind of get some catches and get by guys or get open. That's where I think that it becomes more of the, you know, the wide receiver. So at the end of the day, we all can't be like Peyton Manning or Rodgers or Brady. So for me, I think I'm going to have to lean more so, more so towards the wide receivers. You know, I think a guy like Troy Aikman really benefited for, from, from some of the wide receivers that he had. Yes, was he a good quarterback? But I think those wide receivers really took him to the next level that's true. Uh, it, 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 you know, to the level of winning a Super Bowl. I don't I don't think Troy Aikman has the success that he has without some of those wide receivers that he had. So for me, I'm leaning towards wide receivers. Interesting. Dalton Skinner says Burrow, Rogers, Brady, Allen, Mahomes all make their wideouts reach their potential. And, you know, I guess, you know, again, it's it's almost like a chicken and egg within the chicken and the egg. Because, <laughs> you know, like when you're talking about these Hall of Fame caliber guys and I don't know if I'm ready to put Burrow there just yet but I mean for at least a year you know he was great but you know Jamar Chase is pretty good though too but you know like you were talking about some of it separation 50-50 balls and all that but Julian Edelman doesn't become Julian Edelman if he doesn't have Tom Brady you know right. and you know like you can you can look at those guys before him as well and you know like one of the first things that I thought about when I saw this question, I don't remember where I saw it, but I saw it and, you know, kind of, you know, jotted it down and, and thought it would be fun to kick around here. You know, like think about Equinemia St. Brown in his last, in his last year at Notre Dame, 2017, he led the Irish in receiving that year, 33 catches for 515 yards when he had a quarterback who was sub 50% Brandon Wimbush as a passer. But those were about half the numbers that he had the year before when he had Deshaun Kaiser <laughs> as the quarterback. And, you know, so it's like, for me, 
I lean the other way because of a lot of the things that you're saying. I just feel like, you know, the the good quarterbacks don't have to, you know, like we, we, we saw this all the time with Ian Book where, like, he had to wait to see the receiver come open. And that's not how you play winning quarterback right. at you the highest to level. The Sometimes that's gonna you, be open. you have to throw, you have to trust, you have to throw to a spot and trust that your receiver is going to get there. You know, so, you know, maybe that makes the argument, for, you know, more for the receiver. I don't know. But, like, the ability of the quarterback to basically trust himself and do that. And I can't remember what show I, I was watching something on, you know, like one of these NFL quarterbacks a few years back. And, like, he was saying the same thing, like the fact that, you know, uh, some someone, one of his coaches just sat and told him, it's like, look, you've just got to throw that up there. Sometimes you've got to know what the route that your receiver is running is and, you know, throw it up there and let him make a play on the ball, you know? So, you know, is that the receiver? Is that the quarterback? To me, I lean a little bit more toward the quarterback because the, you know, the, the ball has to be there and it has to be there on time. You know, sometimes like for these, some of these elite receivers, like we're, we're talking about, you know, they have an even greater, ability to you know to go up and make those plays on the ball you know like a a des bryant or you know like look at look at the green bay packers with uh with aaron Rodgers and you know and even brett Favre before that most of those receivers Devontae adams included you know like most of these guys that he's had over the years have started out as relatively unknown guys who have turned into you know all pro great receivers because of the fact that he's had that they've had Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. So I lean more toward the quarterback than the receiver. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So I guess we're going to just have to disagree on that one. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Like I said, I'm it's it's such a hard question, but if I had to pick, yeah. you know, I mean it's head, tough because it's like it's towards? like yin and the yin and the yang. It's you know, they they do go together, you know. You know, that's like would Jerry Rice have been Jerry Rice without Joe Montana, you know? Like by the time he got Steve Young, <laughs> he was already going to be in the hall of fame, but you know, it's, so I, I just, I lean more toward the quarterback. It's fun to watch it go both ways though. You know, sometimes the wide receivers pick up the quarterback and make these outstanding plays. And then sometimes the quarterback puts it in a spot and it's like how, like literally the spot where it's put is probably the only spot it could have been caught. So it's like, it's fun to see both of those. Yeah. Charles Barkley 
is staying with TNT. I don't know how happy you are about this. You watch more NBA. I'm very happy. Than me. He makes that show. That's right. Staying with TNT after a flirtation to move to the Live Golf Tour. He makes around $10 bucks a year just from TNT. You know, that's not including his endorsements and stuff like that. So my question to you is, who deserves to be the highest paid TV analyst in sports? Uh, you know, for me, you got to look at what's what's the big market, what's you know, what's the sport dominated in the United States, and that's football. Uh, so I'm looking at football, and it's got to be my man Tony Romo. I know he was a cowboy, so everyone's gonna be like, oh, he's biased. But Tony <laughs> Romo, you know, take out maybe his first, second year on the job. You know, maybe he was a little kind of too hyper fixated on, you know, trying to predict plays and all that stuff, but. I think, and it goes into the point of why I like him so much, is I genuinely think that just comes from his enthusiasm. Like, he just gets, like, word vomit sometimes because he's so excited <laughs> to just be talking about football and watching some of, you know, the best in the business do it. And then at the same time, Tony Romo breaks things down in a way that the common maybe viewer wouldn't understand, but he puts it in a way that is very understandable. He helps you kind of expand your football knowledge. He's having a lot of fun. There's a lot of, you know – a lot of enthusiasm at the same time. So for me, it's got to be Tony Romo for those reasons. He's constantly enthusiastic about what he does, and he's constantly, you know, allowing the viewer or the listener to become a better rounded kind of football uh, knowledge based at the end of the day. Yeah. Seeing some comments uh, for people uh, nominating play by play guys like Gus Johnson and, and Mike Tarika. We're not talking about the play by play guys. We can talk about those guys at another. We're talking about just the analysts. In other words, the former player, you know, analyzing, you know, whether it's the play or the studio or any of that kind of stuff. And I agree with everything you say about Romo. I mean, you know, he was the highest paid analyst for a time. And then Troy Aikman said, I deserve to be paid more. And he got his, you know, he, he got <laughs> the his battle money. of Dallas quarterbacks. That's right. And then here comes uh, Tom Brady and he's getting even more, even though it sounds like he's going to have to do more than just be an analyst to make, you know, his money. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, I So for football, there's no doubt it's Tony Romo to me. I actually think that, like, it, it, it probably should be Barkley. Now, you know, I think you started off by saying football and specifically the NFL is the biggest, most popular sport. So based on that, it should probably be a football analyst. But, like, the NBA gets nowhere near the viewership that the NFL gets, yet everyone is always talking about inside the NBA on TNT. And the reason they talk about it is because of Charles Barkley. Like you could almost, you know, you could put Barkley, you know, it's the reason that Live Golf wanted him. You could put Barkley in probably any studio show, whether it's, you know, football, basketball. You know, he crosses over and, and talks about college. No, he doesn't. Obviously, you know, he obviously doesn't know all the college players all the time. But you could put him in golf. You could put him in baseball. So basically, I guess what I'm saying is you don't talk about inside the NBA on TNT without talking about Charles Barkley. And he is so I think that he has to be he has to be up there. You know, that's 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 who I would go with, I think, is is Charles because, you know, I'll flip over if I know that show is on, you know, like just, just to hear <laughs> what they're talking about, because you always know it's, there's going to be something good that comes up when he's on there. I think Charles Barkley's greatest attributes as a TV analyst is one, 
is he always keeps it real. No matter how blunt it is or how, you know, you don't want to hear it, he will always tell you straight from the hip exactly how it is. There's no, you know, sugarcoating it. And then just the, the way he goes about it, the comedic relief, uh, you know, the, the ways that he can provide such kind of like comedy and lightheartedness to kind of, you know, when, when we're talking competitive sports, the seriousness that kind of goes around it. So I do like the versatility of Charles Barkley. I do think where, wherever you place him, you know, no matter what sport it would be, he'd always sh- shoot it straight to you. He'd always find a way to provide some comedic relief. Uh, so, yeah, I really do like uh, Charles Barkley as well. The one thing I don't like is the comment here from Jonathan Gabrick. I am not a Boog Shiambi guy. I have told you this on <laughs> And he's also a play-by-play guy, so, yeah. <laughs> I wish that Boog Shiambi never got this contract with Marquis Sports to the Cubs because he is probably my least favorite person to listen to. I think he is boring. I think that he is – it's just – I don't know. He just always seems to be talking to talk. I don't think he he necessarily he, – he fills air rather than – than kind of just letting moments kind of ride out at times, yeah. but that's my personal opinion. Um, I'm a huge Cubs fan, but for for me, I love when Book Shiambi is off on Sundays with ESPN, and I get to listen <laughs> to the alternate crew. Yeah, I think he'd be you know suit you know better suited with maybe a, you know more personality in terms of his analyst. Anyway, you know it's mm-hmm. it's that booth has been you know a little dull the last. So yeah, it doesn't help. Going, the The pairing yeah. of those two isn't the best situation for Bugshiambi. So, you yeah. know, you've been you've been trying to give me to give him a break. I guess I can <laughs> I can relax a little bit. All right. Before we wrap up, David Jones said, "Great observation about estimate running laterally." But was that Audric choosing to go laterally or not having a choice because the offensive line was? Uh, I, I assume he means not getting any movement I, you know and that's a very fair point as well and that probably did play into it and you know that's something that that again i'll uh, be watching when training camp starts you know exactly what that what that uh offensive line looks like i do think it's going to be a lot better and and estime is is a guy who was on my list of players to watch yesterday so we'll be watching him and uh seeing exactly what that looks like and if it's you know how different those holes are and, and maybe how that affects his running as well. So, yeah, I think, you know, big point, big point to hit on is I think Notre Dame success offensively, they have to be able to run the ball. So if they can, they can establish a good run game and then establish, you know, some passing off of that, they'll be in great shape. But I yep. really do think that they have to establish that run game with whoever, you know, whatever trio duo is going to be back there this season. I think they'll be able to. All right, as we finish up, a reminder, hit that like button on YouTube, subscribe, rate, comment, all that different kind of stuff on the audio podcast platforms. We appreciate you listening. Jesse, great stuff from you tonight. Have a uh, a great rest of your week, and I'll see you again soon. Yeah, I'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. I, it was a great day of topics. <laughs> I think so, too. I think so, too. We turned right through. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow. IB Nation Sports Talk.